The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Well, we made it to a Friday, so we got that going for us. Um, today is the last Friday that um, after t- this show, I'm done. Because starting a week from today, I'm going to be doing a, a second Friday show. We'll do this as usual with Marcy Wheeler every Friday on this program. And then I get to regroup and uh, do a show, a live show at 5 p.m. Pacific time, which is 6 p.m. Arizona time and 8 p.m. Eastern time, in case you're counting, on uh, KPFK. That's 90.7 FM in Los Angeles and KPFK.org globally. So no matter where you are, you can listen. And, you know, KPFK is owned by Pacifica, which is uh, the nation's oldest radio broadcaster. They are nonprofit. They've been around forever. KPFK was established in 1959, as was I. So it's a good fit. Um, But Pacifica, in many circles, is best known for the George Carlin Seven Dirty Words case, FCC versus Pacifica. And I thought for our first show, we would um, uh, pay homage to that. And so my first guest on the first show on KPFK is going to be Kelly Carlin, George's daughter, who's a friend of the show. Uh, And and we're going to do a bunch of stuff. We're going to start with a sort of a... um, Uh, recap of the week's news. I will try to incorporate at least one clip from Marcy Wheeler from this show earlier in the day and um, an interview segment and and time for phone calls. So all that's starting a week from today. But today it's just us and Marcy Wheeler. And for some reason I'm having a buffering. I don't know why. Um, I don't know what's going on. Something funky is going on with YouTube today. Hopefully it will hold uh, still for us. By the way, for those of you thinking all I do is this like serious stuff, this Sunday marks the the 30th anniversary of a thing we did in Los Angeles when I used to um, uh, produce the Mark and Brian show. 30 years ago this Sunday, we took the well, what we called the Elvis Bob. It was a um, uh, a Bob's Big Boy statue that we recreated to be Elvis Presley, well, the Elvis Bob. And then actually for this thing that on that day, we turned him into the evil kebab. And we went to Las Vegas and we had a listener who built a catapult for us, catapult the evil kebab over the... <laughs> Over the fountains at Caesar's Palace. And we did this live on the air between 6 and 10 in the morning. So if you're interested in something like that, I'm actually going to post the video. I'll probably like post it on my website on Sunday, which is the 30th anniversary. So you could find it at NicoleSandler.com. Just so you know, I'm not always so serious. All right. Okay. Now on to the serious stuff. It's actually fun. I love spending Fridays with Marcy Wheeler. So thing is, we tape it earlier in the day because, well, she's in Ireland and I think nine hours ahead of me now. So we taped it this morning. I don't know that a whole lot has changed since then, but get ready for a big information download. Time for Marcy Wheeler. It is Friday and I love Fridays for a number of reasons. Um, one of the top reasons on the list is because I get to talk with Marcy Wheeler and, and discuss what went on this week. And first thing you said to me this morning is, I'm pissed. I'm angry. What? About what? I'm angry because in the last couple of weeks, uh, New York Times published about their sixth story this year saying in the second term, Donald Trump is going to politicize, politicize the government. And then 
a Washington Post story with Devlin Barrett basically lifted their story and told the same story. Right. And and I, and then there's been more like Trump did this interview on Univision and 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 said, yeah, I'm going to start sicking prosecutors on my opponents. And I'm sitting there screaming at these people like he did this. Like there's so much about 2020 that has not been told. And you're sitting here saying, oh, my gosh, it's going to get worse in the in the second term. Like we haven't even talked about Trump's pardons. Right. He's he's you know, he's going to he's he's up for reelection. We haven't talked about how abusive his pardons were. Instead, we're saying, wow, you know, it'll be bad in the second term. No, no, it was really I mean, like. Okay, let me tell you about my scoop this okay. week. Okay. I'm going to brag because this was actually a really huge scoop. Um, there in the last two weeks, the impeachment inquiry, which of course is not an inquiry, it's a stunt, right. um, has started really backfiring. I mean, there's a great story with Daily Beast um, that James Comer is now upset that Joe Biden gave his brother two loans, one $200,000 and $140,000. Well, Daily Beast had a story about James Comer doing the same, but doing it with farmland in Kentucky, oh. farmland that he oversees in Kentucky. So that's a story people should go read. Um, then um, Hunter Biden wrote DOJ, his lawyer, uh, whose name is Abby Lowell, who was on Bill Clinton's impeachment team, which is sort of important for this background, wrote DOJ and said, hey, maybe you should be prosecuting Tony Bobolinsky for lying to the FBI. His, uh, what's called 302, his interview report from an interview he did with the FBI in 2020 got posted by these disgruntled, disgruntled IRS agents, right? right. So, um, and, and he looked at it and he's like, wow, we can prove that Tony Bobolinsky was not at this meeting in Miami that he claims to have been at and claims to have seen Joe Biden making deals with China. Okay. And what's really interesting, I mean, that in and of itself is interesting. And and he provided texts that um, I'm not sure whether they've been public or not, but like text of Tony Bobolinsky going down to Miami saying to his buddy, James Gillier, dude, where you're at? And dude's like, oh, I'm leaving Miami. We just had this great meeting with CFC. So there's like, there, there's like evidence that Bobolinsky was not where he said he, he was. But what's, what's important about this is that, uh, Tony Bobolinsky remember was Donald Trump's guest at one of the, at the Nashville or the, um, was it in Nashville at the Tennessee debate in 2020 because Tony Bobolinsky and, and Tony Bobolinsky, not just by former White House counsel Stephen Passantino, but then White House uh, attorney Eric Hirschman, whoever thinks is a hero. They were pitching Tony Bobolinsky to the Wall Street Journal already by this point. Eric Hirschman's um, the guy who we saw in the um, uh, one six hearings in the room that looked like a bathroom to me. It looked like shower with a panda or something behind him. That's yeah, the, the guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, anyway, so. Bobolinsky goes with Trump to the Tennessee debate. And then the next day with Stefan Passantino, with this guy who used to be the White House counsel, goes to the FBI and says, let me tell you this story about Hunter Biden. And if you believe Hunter Biden's attorney lied. Mm -hmm. And then according to Cassidy Hutchinson's book, and people should go read this. I mean, I, I excerpt most of it in my post on this people should read this but um she describes being in georgia they they fly down to georgia she's getting off the plane and somebody says cassidy you got to go set up a meeting with the chief and bobolinsky she's like no you're kidding and they're like no no uh the boss wants the chief to meet with bobolinsky and so she sets this up uh with like the secret service hiding this meeting between tony bobolinsky and mark meadows and she sees Meadows hand something to Bobolinsky like it could be an envelope or something. He's wearing ski masks. Right. I right? was going to ask you, Bobolinsky's wearing a ski mask in a meeting with Mark Meadows? In Georgia. <laughs> yes. And so that's one thing. Like Bobolinsky is has been the cornerstone of this conspiracy theory from the start. And what we've learned from the IRS disgruntled agents is, um, A, he was not considered credible internally. Right. But B, at least if you believe Hunter Biden's attorney, who, you know, he's shown some receipts 
um, he lied. He made a false statement to to the to FBI. Right. So those are two things. Those are two ways that impeachment is backfiring. The third, which is critically important and goes to the core of, of people like Devlin Barrett, who have been handmaidens for this abuse of DOJ, um, who are now claiming credit for being, you know, for 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 warning us in. So um, two things happened recently. One is the former U.S. attorney for Pittsburgh testified to the House Judiciary Committee. He was incredibly partisan. And we knew that in real time. In fact, DOJIG uh, issued a report about him very shortly after the election because he was kind of intervening in the election. Mm -hmm. So know that he's super partisan. Um, He during impeachment. So between the time that that uh, the House voted to impeach Trump in December 2019 and the time that the Senate acquitted him, Bill Barr's top aide went to Scott Brady and said, Brady, you're going to be intake for Rudy Giuliani's Russian disinformation. So what Bill Barr did and this this much had been public, what Bill Barr did in like literally as impeachment is going on is SDNY had gotten had begun their criminal investigation of Rudy Giuliani. They had mm-hmm. gotten the first set of warrants on Rudy Giuliani. And they were about to investigate Rudy Giuliani's ties to Andre Durkacz, who everyone knew was a Russian spy, right? They're like, okay, Rudy Giuliani got on a plane. Remember, this was this was December 5th, 2019, gets on a plane, goes and meets with a Russian spy, um, DOJ for whatever reason, and now it looks more like we know why doesn't say don't get on the plane to go meet this Russian spy. They let him get on a plane to meet a Russian spy. Um, SDMY is investigating that. So what uh, Bill Barr does is he says, okay, EDNY is now going to be in charge of all Ukraine investigations. And what EDNY did is basically say, okay, we're going to investigate Andre Durkacz for being a Russian spy, but we're not going to investigate Rudy Giuliani. So the investigation into Rudy Giuliani working with Russian spies to frame Joe Biden and his son right. gets shut down. So that's one part of it. And then Bill Barr sets up Scott Brady to meet with Rudy Giuliani and take the garbage that Rudy Giuliani got from a Russian spy and kind of sort through it and send it elsewhere. To, um, to the Hunter the Biden things, case to prosecute Hunter Biden. That's where it went. That's where it went. So um, you've heard about the 1023, right? Mm-hmm. So Chuck Grassley and uh, James Comer released this informant report back in the summer. And it was a big scandal. They're like, oh, this informant report says um, Mikola Zlachewski, the head of Burisma, told this informant that uh, that he had bribed Biden in such a way that it would take them 10 years to find the money. That informant report, when it first came out, I looked at the informant report and I'm like, gosh, what are the chances the FBI forgot to write the dates of this meeting? We know it was in 2019, but but they they like part of the Republican story about this from day one has been, oh, we we vetted this. We made sure that the informant traveled when and where he said he did. So I'm like, so you know the exact date, right? You know the exact date where Zlachewski told him that he had bribed Biden, mm-hmm. but it didn't show up in the informant report. It doesn't show, like, it's insane that the FBI just, oh, we're not going to write the date of this because, of course, the date is important. He makes a reference to impeachment or to, you know, it definitely happened after the call to, to um, uh, Zelensky in July, but it, it, it happened as impeachment is rolling out. So Chesky gets there with an FBI informant and says, oh, yeah, I bribed Joe Biden and they're never going to find it. The way in which that this is the this is what's new. Scott Brady is talking about this and Scott Brady is completely dishonest. Like he's he's like um, uh, the Republic. It takes them about two hours to get around to asking him, like, how did you find this old informant report from 2017 that made you go back and and ask the informant again? And um and at first, Scott Brady was like, oh, I hunt, I, I searched on Hunter Biden in Burisma. And it's like, 
Oh, so, you know, you basically did exactly what Donald Trump said he was going to do on that perfect phone call was with Volodymyr Zelensky. Then the Democrats get up and say, so how did you find this informant report with Hunter Biden? And he's like, oh, I think I searched on Zlachevsky and Burisma. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. So what we learned the day after that, the day after Scott Brady does this interview, which was October 23rd, but it took me a while to get a look at it, right? Mm -hmm. On October 24th, Chuck Grassley releases a letter to uh, Merrick Garland and he provides details about where that 2017 informant report was. And he, you know, he's so old and cranky that he doesn't realize what he does. But he revealed that in 2016, while Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma, Barack Obama's DOJ opened up a corruption investigation into Zlachevsky. Right. This was not this was not public at all. We knew there was an investigation in Ukraine. We knew there was an investigation in the UK. The US one was had never been made public before. So um, Barack Obama's DOJ opens up an investigation in the company on the board of which his vice president's son serves. Mm-hmm. OK, mm-hmm. so uh, like. This is the opposite of what they're saying. Exactly. You know, right. right. So the Obama DOJ was investigating what was going on at Burisma. And then Burisma. Yeah. But it gets it gets far better. Guess when that investigation was shut down? Um, Well, I know because I read the piece. (laughs) So December 2019. Go figure. December 2019. So and and if you look back at Lev Parnas's, including his contemporaneous stories. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's got receipts for a lot of this. Um, According to Lev Parnas, he had somebody interview Zlachevsky in May of 2019 and said, what do you what can you tell us about Hunter Biden? Zlachevsky was like, nothing. Like Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. That's May of 2019. So Lev Pardos brings this to Rudy Giuliani and Rudy Giuliani's like, I need dirt. This is bullshit. I need dirt. And um, there's this back and forth where Zlachevsky sort of says, well, this is May 2019. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Um, He says, well, I hear there's a laptop available. Oh, God. I hear there's a laptop available and I could get you dirt on on Joe Biden. I hear there's a laptop available uh-huh. if you can. And and this is what in 2020 didn't look all that interesting. If you can um, curry favor for me at DOJ. So right. he knows there's investigation into him. We don't. Right. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he says, I'll give you a laptop with dirt on Hunter. Uh, I'll give you a Hunter Biden laptop with dirt on Joe Biden. If you help me, if you help me with DOJ, this is the same thing. Remember that Dimitri Furtash was asking for. Okay. Okay. Um, and then Lev Parnas is arrested. Mm-hmm. I've gone back and I've read uh, John Paul Mac Isaac's timeline, and his timeline completely falls apart. When you when the, when you understand this, you realize that his timeline is meant to cover up the degree to which some of this was a react like. After Lev, Lev Parnas, according to him, was flying to Vienna to guess what? Get a laptop from Burisma. Remember? Right. Remember that? Then they found it at some uh, blind repairman shop in what, Virginia, West Virginia? Well, it, so it had, uh, it, you know, it, it, it definitely had a laptop had been dropped off in April 2019. Okay. Um, my guess is that a laptop was swapped. But anyway, what you need to know is that. In May and June, according to Lev Parnas, Slachewski said, if you put in a good word for me with DOJ, then I will give you a laptop with Hunter Biden dirt. Okay. That's where Lev Parnas was going when he was arrested in October 2019. And then uh, and then it's days after Lev Parnas is arrested, at least according to the FBI. This is where John Paul MacIsaac's timeline falls apart. Um, that's when John Paul MacIsaac's like, well, I better call the FBI and give them this laptop. And what is crazy, Nicole, is the day after the FBI actually got the war, they, they went and got it, got the, um, used a subpoena to get the laptop, but then they had to get a warrant to access it. The day right. after that warrant was approved, Barr's flunkies text him on his private phone and say laptops on the way wow and that is sometime now thanks to chuck grassley who's old and doesn't know what he's saying that is 
sometime in December of 2019, that all goes down. We get a laptop. We shut down the investigation into Zlochevsky. Right. And then literally days later, it's January 3rd, 2020. Right. Where Barr's office goes to Scott Brady and says, okay, we're going to set up a way to get dirt from Zlochevsky, who we just shut down the investigation in. Like either he was corrupt, in which case, sure, share the information with the Hunter Biden investigation or... He's not corrupt, which is why you shut down the investigation. And then there's nothing to share with the Hunter Biden investigation. But what they did is they shut down the investigation in Zlochevsky and then allowed Zlochevsky to make a fraudulent claim against Joe Biden. And Bill Barr set that up. Bill Barr set that up with so many moving parts. And Devlin Barrett has been like the chief dick pic sniffer. He there's no Hunter Biden story that he hasn't chased like a six year old. And people think Devlin Barrett is warning us about what might come when he's been a part of the corruption all along. Wow. Like, this all happened in 2020. Right. We the, the the Durham investigation used Russian intelligence to fabricate a claim that Hillary set up Donald Trump. Um, I've shown the FBI altered documents in their Mike Flynn reverse investigation. And those altered documents made their way into a debate attack. Um, on Joe Biden. Like the fact that we're not talking about these things and instead we're saying, wow, Devlin Barrett's such a great reporter. He's warned us about what might come down the pike is just infuriating. So that's why I'm pissed. But um, (laughs) everyone needs to know that the impeachment of Joe Biden, which traces back to Bill Barr's DOJ shutting down a corruption investigation into Zlochevsky, into Burisma's head, um, that's where it comes from. Shut down the corruption investigation into Burisma and then say Hunter Biden is corrupt because of Burisma. That is wow. that is what it all comes down to. And you can read this story by Marcy Wheeler at emptywheel.net. It's Donald Trump's DOJ shut down a Burisma corruption investigation opened while Joe Biden was VP. Um, it is. It's uh, and, and and I I, I get it. Um Devlin Barrett is with the Washington Post, right? Well, the Washington Post just named a new executive editor, I guess, who is Murdoch guy, yeah. who came from the Wall Street Journal. He was a Murdoch guy for years and years and years. As did Devlin Barrett. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, he came from the Wall Street Journal too. And one of this When he when he was interfering in the 2016 election, remember Devlin Barrett is the one who exposed the Clinton Foundation investigation in the 2016 election. Okay. He has, I mean, this is, he had every two years, right wingers leak stuff to him to interfere in the election with like clockwork. And then everyone is like, wow, he gets these great scoops and the stories all fall apart after, after the election. But, but it like every two years, it's the wow. Devlin Barrett thing. Wow. Um, this, you know, in, in 2022, he's the one who said, Oh, prosecutors have enough to charge Hunter Biden. Um, we don't know who leaked to him. I think it was probably via a congressional office. Um, but we now know that those investigators were overselling their case. We uh-huh. now know that those investigators leaked that because David Weiss said the case against Hunter Biden and Burisma is not that strong. <laughs> Right. Well, didn't he um, testify this week that the the Republicans held a hearing for David Weiss, who is now the the special prosecutor, right? In which he said, um, no, they haven't stopped me from doing anything. I've heard nothing from the DOJ. Am I, do I have that right? Yeah. So, um, and I, I'm going to correct you on this. Okay. Just because the the language is important. Please. He's now special counsel. Special counsel. Um, Right. The reason Gary Shapley, one of these disgruntled IRS guys, um, his like the most charitable explanation for his tantrum is that he misunderstood the difference between special attorney and special counsel. Um, What we've known, what Merrick Garland said publicly in a hearing in Jim Jordan, you know, with Jim Jordan sitting there is that. David Weiss approached both D.C. and Los Angeles's U.S. attorneys. In D.C., it happened in April of 2022. In uh, in Los Angeles, it happened sometime before uh, the current U.S. attorney was confirmed. So sometime before September 19th um, in in Los Angeles, 
Weiss's prosecutors had been given uh, special attorneys, not special attorney, that special AUSA status. So they could they could on their own at that point have charged the case in Los Angeles. They had already they were they were you know presumably presenting to a grand jury. Presumably they had some grand jury time in D.C. So this was all going on in 2022. Um, David Weiss asked to be made special attorney in D.C. in spring of 2022. And Lisa Monica's office said the process is you first approach the U.S. attorney. And then when they say no, then you come back and ask, ask to be made special attorney. My guess is based on what I've seen from the transcripts is that both D.C. and Los Angeles said uh, you don't have much of a case here. And and that's the thing. Like, so uh, DOJ tax people were like, you don't have much of a case here. And D.C., uh, uh, these, these, this is not the U.S. attorney. These are the career prosecutors. D.C. career prosecutors, Los Angeles career prosecutors looked at it, advised their bosses not to partner. Mm-hmm. Um, in Los Angeles, one of the reasons why they didn't partner is because the fentanyl crisis is actually more important than sniffing five-year-old dick pics from Hunter Biden. And that, I mean, literally, like that's almost what, yeah, that's a like literally, that's that's what the U.S. attorney said in his in his testimony. He's like, "Look, you know, we've got a massive fentanyl crisis. We've got all you know, all the gangs are here. We've got our own public corruption that's a little more urgent. We've got like we are forty U.S. attorney AUSAs under what we're supposed to have. I don't have the bodies to go. He didn't say sniff dick pics, but you know, I don't have the bodies to go chase this dog shit case right. from five years ago." And um, and and it looks like in Los Angeles, they said, you know, according to the principles of the justice manual, I wouldn't charge this. Like if it, there's not good enough admissible evidence. Now, one of the things that may be true is that the IRS agents are relying on stuff from the laptop and the lot. You can't admit anything from the laptop because, you know, it went through Rudy Giuliani. Right. It may have no, gone through no chain of custody, all, right. for all we know. Right. Mm hmm. Um, so it, it, I mean, that's the story. So then, uh, so then Devlin Barrett gets a leak in October, 2022 to try and force David Weiss's hands. And, uh, Jim Jordan, of course, says impeach, 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 impeach. And, you know, and, and, the, you know, yes, Republicans forced David Weiss to kind of ratchet up what he was going to do with right. Hunter Biden. Um, although I suspect that, his his ability to charge any tax case just got worse and worse because uh, Abby Lowell, Hunter Biden's attorney, right. is going to go. Now he knows like this is the this is the crazy thing. There's stuff that never would have been turned over to Abby Lowell if not for these IRS agents screaming all the time because wow. they turned it over themselves. Like they turned over documents, making it clear that um, like my favorite one is uh, Joseph Ziegler, the other IRS agent testified to House Ways and Means that he had been told there were emails that made it nearly impossible to charge this case. Um, And those weren't yet the emails that were discovered from him and his buddy, Gary Shapley. They were emails from his original supervisor who was documenting the inappropriate command influence from Donald Trump and presumably Bill Barr from the start. Um, So, so, Abby Lowe would never have gotten that in a normal prosecution. And now the, you know, the IRS agents are going out there saying, look for this, look for this, look mm-hmm. for this, look for this. Uh, like, like the Tony Bobolinsky report, like, you know, they, they wouldn't have had to turn over Bobolinsky if they didn't rely on it in court. But now Abby Lowe has seen it and knows that uh, Bobolinsky or claims Bobolinsky lied anyway. Um, so that's the insanity of the Hunter Biden prosecution. Um, it has now been going on. And we're now in the sixth year. Unbelievable. That Hunter Biden is being investigated. I, I feel so sorry for him. Happens. I really feel sorry for him because he's, you know, they, they had to glom onto something and he was the guy. Um, but this hearing with David Weiss, they want, I guess the Republicans, James Comer and who and Jim Jordan wanted him to say, yeah, the um, the Biden DOJ is is shutting me down or slowing me down or is tell- and he said none of that is true. I've not heard from anybody. I'm operating independently and I'm doing what I need to do. 
Is that, do I have that right? Yeah. And importantly, he said, the only time I've spoken with Merrick Garland is to ask for more authority and he's always given it to me. Right. Um, like everything that Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler have said has been debunked and debunked, not just by the U S attorneys, by like um, Shapley's bosses actually, or at least one of them likes him, but they're like, this guy goes to, you know, fire alarm Severin at the drop of a hat. And the other guy was like, he, he is biased. His claims of bias are themselves undermining the investigations. So, so, um, so that's where we're at with impeachment. Uh, gotcha. Very important because mm-hmm. the Republicans are not going to fund government. You know, we're going to have a shutdown because um, Mike Johnson is in Paris right now speaking to right wingers really? um, and has spent, he's done two interviews with Hannity and, he did cancel one with Newsmax, but Mike Johnson has had his priorities in like selling himself and and trying to cover up stories about his own fourteen year old adoptive son who like that story keeps keeps moving. Yeah, but so we, we we're facing a shutdown next week. Yep, and in spite of that, James Comer is still going. Like so, he sent a subpoena to to Hunter Biden and to James Biden, who is Joe's brother, um, and a business partner of Hunter Biden. Even though we already have his FBI three hundred two, mm-hmm. um, he sent he he sent an interview request to Haley Biden, Bo's widow. Oh God, um, who was involved in finding the gun and getting rid of the gun? Um, he this is the crazy thing. He has sent an interview request with to Hunter Biden's art gallery. Because the theory now is that um, it's, it's a money laundering thing that people oh, are buying of course. art. Right. And, <clears throat> you know, they certainly Hunter Biden did try and hide that. And then somebody leaked it to an outlet to mm-hmm. now they're like, well, obviously people are trying to get influence in the Biden white house. And it's like Hunter Biden wouldn't have known. If you hadn't have leaked it, you know, right, so it's right. just, it's just crazy. I, I'm laundering money too with my artwork <clears throat> in case anyone was interested, <laughs> you know, feel free. Um, Marcy Willer is with us as so she is on Fridays. So this was a, <clears throat> an interesting week in Trump world because the former guy and his daughter both testified. Did either one of them say anything other than Trump throwing a, 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 a couple of tantrums? Trump threw some tantrums. He did um, say some things that I think are going to be useful to the DA about his penthouse. Um, he lied, probably. <laughs> no. Um, but, right. But, I mean, uh, he, and he, you know, he tried to dodge having had a role in his statements of value. And there are a couple of places where they did get him. Like, for example, there was a long exchange about, um, he keeps making public claims about how valuable Mar-a-Lago is uh, and keeps misrepresenting what Judge Ngoron has said about the value of, of Mar-a-Lago. And there were some admissions there that uh, that he knows he's not allowed to develop it, for example. Like the basis for him to say it's $1.5 billion is rests on two assumptions. One is that he can develop it. Mm-hmm. Which he can't. Right. In perpetuity, you know, like, but, or some Russian buys it for him as a, as a money laundering vehicle. Mm-hmm. Or Which he's savvy, done before, decent. right? Yeah. Um, so that was somewhat useful. Uh, Ivanka said she forgot everything, of course, <laughs> right. including stuff that was quite recent. Um, I think that there were some, like with Ivanka, the most important revelation, I think, is that they couldn't get funding for and I'm going to forget whether it was Doral or whether it was the hotel and in the international in DC. Right. I think it was the international in DC. They couldn't get funding based on uh, Trump's liquidity and uh, the value that Trump had in his property. And then they went to the same Deutsche Bank bankers that had bailed Jared out. And there's this moment they tried to keep this email out of, off the stand between Jared and Ivanka. And the judge looks at it and he's like, there's nothing privileged about right, this. This right? is two business people talking business together. And so Deutsche Bank, uh, the terms that Deutsche Bank was willing to lend money on, Trump couldn't even meet that. 
Um, he had to claim that his net worth was higher than it was. Right. And so that, that like, to some degree, we're seeing details. Um, and so the importance of that detail will come, you know, over time. I wish that that detail had gotten a lot more attention because it, because it's, it's critical. I mean, yes, it's basically that's what the case is all Trump about. Couldn't get Trump couldn't get funding. And mm-hmm. he went to private banker bankers at Deutsche Bank. And, and there's this, I think it's an email between Ivanka and somebody else saying, Oh shit, the terms that Deutsche Bank wants, we can't meet. That's a problem. A- acknowledging that uh, Trump really couldn't honestly say that he could meet the Deutsche Bank terms. So right. those are actually really important disclosures, but you wouldn't know it given the coverage. The coverage no. is all about Donald Trump staging a tantrum That's and Ivanka right. looking glorious and seven foot tall. <laughs> That's, you know, it is insane. Like everyone's like, why is it that Donald Trump is doing so well in the polls in spite of uh, being charged with 91 <sighs> felonies and having a fraud case. And I'm like, because you treat the fucking fraud case like a reality TV show or a, or a fashion show. I right. mean, literally, like New York Times today has this insane story. It is insane. Like, it doesn't even hide that. It's the lifestyles of the rich and indicted. Oh, my God. Um, and it just is fawning about how they dressed up to show up to their fraud case. Um Wow. So that's where we are. And and so now uh, after Ivanka's testimony, the prosecution rested. The defense begins its case on Monday. Yeah. And and they say Don Jr. is going to be on the stand again. I, 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 I don't know that he or his brother did particularly well either. It was a lot of I don't remember. I remember I wasn't involved, although they ran allegedly the company. So. Uh, I, I guess it's going to be more of the same starting Monday. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how cross-examination of them goes because, you know, they're all they're all staging this, right? They're all pretending to be stupid yep. um, and then and being very careful about what they answer questions about and what they don't answer questions about. But um, but none of them are that sophisticated. You gotcha. know, like none of them. Um, I mean, Trump is. Trump did a. Trump did a spectacular job at completely eliminating any coverage of the fact that he was up there for fraud. Right. No one. No, I mean, they covered um, the outburst. Forbes did to a bit and New York Times, which has consistently had at least one journalist covering it, did to a bit. And um, Lisa Rubin on New York on NBC has done a good job at providing Mm. really detailed analysis. So um, and and generally, Adam Klausfeld gives good analysis. But even then, he was sort of like, this is the confrontation. And it's like, you have to take a step back and say, I'll, you know, I'll cover the confrontation down the road. But the important details that you need to take away are X, Y and Z. It's not about it's not about how pissed off and Goran got. It's about what did Trump admit to? What kind of fraud did Trump admit to? And there was none, literally, I mean, not literally. I mean, like I said, those four outlets, I think, did a good job gotcha. or at least a decent job. But like everyone else was just like, let me talk about Trump's campaign. Right. And you talk about how beautiful Ivanka was. Oh, yes. She looked great. So, Marcy, so this was this is the New York fraud trial. The judge is actually already in 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 the in in one of the counts and maybe the most important um, ruled against the Trump organization and said they are liable that they are guilty of this. And although there are a few other counts that he still must decide on, basically this trial is to determine um, uh, the the the, the outcome, yeah. right? What what they'll have to pay and uh, and breaking up the Trump organization, they can no longer do business in New York. Still to come are all the other trials, the 91 criminal indictments that <laughs> Trump is looking at. And I hate to do it, but we got to go back to Florida. I just escaped Florida. But the documents case is in Florida where uh, Trump's appointed judge, Eileen Cannon, um, has been sort of doing him favors, doing his bidding. But did he shoot? He shot himself in the foot. We talked about this a little last week, but there's a new development in this, in that she saw through the the machinations that Trump was doing, like getting her to say, we'll hold off on the trial until after the election because there's no time. <clears throat> and when she, <clears throat> excuse me, when she ruled on that, 
immediately his lawyers filed something else to move the other case that that she delayed hers to avoid the the conflict so it like she had suggested she was going to move the trial already she has not moved the trial already but she moved some of the deadlines which Mm -hmm. make it almost guaranteed that the trial will get moved um but she because partly it's what's called SIPA, right? So when you have all this classified information, there's all these tricks to handling it. And she has granted some really weird arguments from Trump's people about how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And she has given them, she has created delays in the SIPA process. Um, and that is going to delay the trial. But thus far, she has not delayed it yet. So in other words, she has said, we'll get to March 1st and see how much we need to delay it. March 1st, we'll know for sure whether the D.C. trial is going to go on on March 4th, which it's due to. Right. Um, But she she sort of uh, she was made to look like a fool. And I guess finally, in a slight little bit of pushback, she's like, don't do that shit. Yeah, she said, don't do I mean, she always she she scolds uh, Jack Smith's team any chance she gets. Right. But she has generally like they have. My guess is that she is consulting with somebody, maybe the chief judge down there that is more experienced. I mean, she she really hasn't presided over that many cases (laughs) and not and not a not a SEPA case. So um, my guess is that she's she's running the hearings and she's going to somebody who can advise her how to get really, you know, how to avoid an embarrassing reversal like she got last Uh year. And so she as a result, she has ceded to government demands generally uh even while creating some you know creating some time for trump but she hasn't done as badly as she did last year okay um that doesn't make her great um (laughs) but that is where it is the gotcha so the the case that she allegedly that reportedly is worried about um conflicting with is the dc case and jack smith had been pretty um quiet about his strategy. We did note, though, that Trump had not been charged with, say, um, a, a, a sedition with a, a, what, what, a seditious conspiracy or anything like that. And so Trump's lawyers moved to say that he wants uh, January 6th removed from the, uh, the, the prosecution entirely. And, and Jack Smith now came forward with his strategy and saying that Trump is going to be treated like all the other January 6th defendants. As you wrote, um, he's promised to prove Trump's role in mobilizing the mob, both those who attack the cops and those who threaten Mike Pence at trial. This is new information, isn't it? No, it's It's not. not. Um, it's information that's new to TV lawyers. Um, it like I I wrote a thing in I want to say January February twenty twenty two, maybe yeah. Uh, like it, it's been clear to me from the start that this is where this was going, and what DOJ has done. I mean, so basically, what they said, what Trump has tried to do now three occasions, he said. Like it's stupid stuff. Like he said, oh, Tanya Chutkin, you need to recuse because you presided over these two sentencing cases and um, and you said mean things about me. One of those sentencing cases, and I've already talked about this guy, is um, Robert Palmer, not the musician, right. just some nutbag. I think he's also <clears throat> from Florida. Um, and he in in the sentencing said, I went to the Capitol at the behest of Trump uh-huh. and I I assaulted cops serially because. I was led to believe by Trump and other people that I needed to stop the vote certification. Classic case of I did what I did because of Trump. Yep. And Chutkin at the sentence was like, sorry, it doesn't help you. But that's one example of a defendant stating under oath, I did what I did because of what Trump led me to believe. Right. Um, and DOJ. So then um, when they were talking about a gag, they're like, Jack Smith said mean stuff. He suggested that I was responsible for January 6th. I'm not. They they pushed back slightly and said, no, here's how you're responsible for January 6th. This one, it's it's part of the motions to dismiss. So right. Trump, what Trump is trying to do is he's trying to like break up um, the indictment into pieces 
so that in one place he can claim it's all First Amendment and another place he can misrepresent the actual conspiracies he's charged with. And in another place, and this is what you're talking about, he said, and oh, by the way, can we sweep all the violence under the rug? Because that's not charged. Right. So that's what they tried to do. It is in the indictment. It's, you know, it's always been in the indictment. Uh, the way it is in the indictment is, for example, that Trump, when Mike Pence told him on January 5th, I'm not going to help you out. Trump said, I'm going to go tell the mob. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to go tell the mob in such a way that that's going to incite the mob. You know, uh, another place where it is in the indictment is where he says where he's watching in his dining room as they assault cops and does nothing and then tweets out about Mike Pence. So those are the ways where it factors in where what did he do when he knew the mob was attacking Congress? He incited them some more. And so and 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 like I said, this is not a surprise that DOJ was going to do this because they've been laying that like the stuff that TV lawyers were complaining about. We don't need to do these investigations because blah, blah, blah. This is one of the things that they were doing is collecting incidents where um, the most famous, one of the most important is this guy, Danny Rodriguez. They have video of Danny Rodriguez at the um, mm-hmm. ellipse speech. Yep listening to Rudy, listening to Trump, and he turns to a camera and he says, Joe Biden. And he also was dumb and spoke with the FBI when they and, arrested and, him. And Chris Hayes showed video of that interview with the FBI last night. And I pulled a clip. So here is, um, uh, I guess, Danny Rodriguez, DJ Rodriguez, talking to the FBI. How do you get to... January 6th. Like, how, what's, what else happens in that period of time? Trump called us to D.C. Trump called us to D.C. How did he let you guys know to come to D.C.? If he's the commander-in-chief and the leader of our country, and he's calling for help, they thought he was calling for help. They thought he was... He was calling. He was the commander in chief. He's in charge of the country. He was calling for help. I thought he was calling for help. I thought we were doing the right thing. That's pretty damning. Now, they did say, Chris Hayes did say, although when he was led away to prison for nine to however many years, um, the last thing he said was Trump won. But they have this they have the video of him basically saying Trump um, brought us here. And they have and they have the video of him listening to Trump at the ellipse, responding by saying, I'm going to go do violence. And then and later in that interview, then he's the one who almost murders Michael Fanon. Yep. So and that's the thing is, is uh, Danny Rodriguez ties Trump directly directly to the attempted murder. And in the interview, he says, yeah, well, I didn't mean to murder anybody, but I thought I, you know, I, if it came to it, I, I, I would. So that the entire interview is incredibly damning his actions. Um, he was with Gina Bisignano. If people remember this, um, Beverly Hills salon owner. Well, oh yes. Who could forget yeah, her? Who wore, <laughs> she wore Gucci or something to insurrection. She, she traveled with him. She's buddies with DJ. Ooh. And she also, they have video of her walking to the Capitol and at the Capitol saying, you know, uh, we need to go after Mike Pence. We, he told us to go after Mike Pence. There's another guy who pled guilty this week. His name is Ryan Nichols. But she wrote about who, how Ryan Nichols responded to Trump's Mike Pence tweet. Yeah. Same thing. He sees that he hears about the tw- the tweet and he starts talking about revolution. And he says, we're going to start dragging these bodies through the street. And, and he says very specifically, I had to assault these cops because Trump told me that that Pence betrayed us. And and these are these are just a handful. I mean, like there's another set of guys, the guy who first opened the Senate and let in all the other mobsters, a guy right. by the name of Josiah Colt, um, who, if you remember the original the original footage that came out, was this guy repelling from the top of the Senate, the right. balcony of the Senate to the floor. Uh-huh. So what he did is he got in the top door, repelled down and opened the door on the foot 
and you know, on the main floor floor of the Senate. Right. And that's how people like John Chansley get to go and sit in Mike Pence's seat and say, you know, justice is coming. So those guys, the guys who repel from from the um, balcony, same thing. They see Trump's they they see Trump's tweet about Mike Pence. They break into the building. They're like, we have to go where they're counting. We have to go where they're counting. And so they sprint up to the Senate. They break into the Senate. And again, they have them. They have GoPro with these guys. They have GoPro with the other guy I told you about, Ryan Nichols. So yep. they have this is what's going to come in at the trial is all this GoPro that these guys wore recording themselves saying Donald Trump sent me to assault cops. Donald T Trump sent me to go try and assassinate Mike Pence. Yep. And that's I mean, again, that I'm sorry if TV lawyers didn't tell you this was coming, but this this is part of what. You know, this is one of the many things DOJ has been doing in the three years since they've been investigating or two and a half years since they've been investigating it. And they have this incredible collection of video and screenshots and 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 testimony that like Danny Rodriguez's yep. testimony is just fucking nuts. Yes, that's that's all that was all built into Trump's trial from the start. Wow. And now you have a great post up at EmptyWheel.net on Monday um, on you mentioned it briefly, the motions to dismiss and Trump's lawyers have tried everything. And you even have a little a little chart here with some of them. And it's uh, I guess if you need some comic relief, um, it's there. So, so motions to dismiss. This is this is Trump's lawyers uh, throwing everything against the wall and see to see if anything sticks. Well, there, like I said, I kind of described this earlier where he's trying to separate it all so he can say this was all free speech and then totally misrepresent the the conspiracies. Because if, if your speech is part of a conspiracy, then it's no longer free speech. But the important thing, the reason why he's trying so hard to get the mob detached from his trial is he argued, well, I didn't do anything to obstruct the vote certification. Now, Judge um, Andrew Carter in L.A. said just what you did with Mike Pence is a preponderance of evidence that you obstructed with him. But once you throw in the mob, once you throw in the fact that he sicked a mob on his own vice president yep. and on Congress. And so he he what he's trying to do is say, I don't have anything to do with the mob because once you realize that he did have everything to do with the mob, then the 1512 case, the obstruction case is easy. You know, it's it's just ridiculously easy. I mean, he, they also in those motions to dismiss like um, DOJ has been fighting these obstruction cases and appealing them and fighting appeals to them uh, for two years now. Right. Like the first the first challenges to them were like two years ago. And there is a debate at the D.C. Circuit and that'll go to Supreme Court about what the standard is. What does corruptly mean? Does it need to involve paper? Uh, does it is it is it primarily that you broke another law or and this is the this is the funny thing, um, the the most stringent standard for corruptly that these right wing judges want to apply is personal event, a, a corrupt means of getting a personal benefit. Um, and. Now, admittedly, some of the like one of these judges said, well, uh, corruptly trying to become president isn't a corrupt benefit, which is just insane. But Trump never deals with the fact that if there is one person involved in January 6th that corruptly applies to, it's him because he's, you know, he's basically trying to steal the presidency like that. Right. I don't know what could be more corrupt than that. Well, exactly. Um, uh, Marcy Wheeler, it's a lot of stuff happening. Anything I didn't ask about that that uh, we should know about this week? Gosh, it's been a crazy week. Uh, we know that Joe Manchin is not running. Oh, my goodness. And so Joe Manchin, now there, there are some who say, um, well, number one, he can't win again because of the, all the, you know, the. Uh, the he can't. He, he right. can't. I mean, here's the thing is he wasn't going to win anyway. Exactly. And so, you know, and every like, I guess I guess what's going on this week is people are panicking about Joe Biden, you know, too old to run, too old to run. And he is old. But everyone else is running, including you know, Joe old. Manchin could run on the whatever <laughs> the middle ground right. ticket. The He's over 70. Um, Cornell Donald, West over 70, Donald, Donald Trump, Trump well over 70. I mean, everybody is in their 70s or 80s. It's not like age should be the issue here. I, you know, people are terrified and they're right to be terrified because Donald Trump, we've, you know, it's not that 
what he'll do will be totally new. It's no. that what we've already seen in 2020, which Devlin Barrett, you know, serves to cover up is really terrible. Um, and now I we're hearing just, about Project 2025, uh, apparently his game plan of revenge when he gets back into the Oval Office. Yeah, but I mean, again, I, I really, really, really want people to focus on what he's already done, because just as one example, I mean, D- John Durham, he promised John Durham would serve heads on a platter right. and it didn't work out because, you know, and 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 there's even talk today. I don't I don't think it'll happen, but there's even talk today. Um, there was a good version of this story in The Washington Post and a bad version at CNN. But, um, you know, moderates in the House have deluded themselves into thinking that they can stave off impeachment because they're like, there's nothing to impeach Joe Biden about. Right. You know, I don't I think that the I think that the I think that Donald Trump will demand an impeachment regardless. But um you know, let's say there were a Trump and uh, a Biden impeachment, right? Let's say that. Let's say that they can't resist and have an, a Biden impeachment. First of all, like Hunter Biden's attorney uh, was on Clinton's impeachment team, so right. he knows how this works. But secondly, um, I've already told you three ways it could backfire. Even ignoring that when Clinton was impeached and when Trump was impeached, their polling numbers went up. It's a way to get the party to to um to to rally for you right. there's going to be a lot of things like that all the labor victories that have happened you know joe biden gave a great speech uh with the uaw yesterday yep. and it's great i think yep. people should look for it i agree i just think you know we're panicking right now and i because think the media so is telling us to panic the media is i think ratcheting it up joe biden's doing a good job um you may disagree with him on things but you can't call him old and feeble and too tired to do anything he's been working he's right. He's been getting shit done. So um, and and we had an election on Tuesday that was a blue wave. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ohio enshrined choice in their constitution and and legalized um, weed and Kentucky reelected the Democrat. And the only bad one was Mississippi, where, um, frankly, of course, all the, the Democratic precincts ran out of ballots and there were lines that went on for hours, but they reelected the, the, the crook of a Republican governor, um, who was, was all caught up in the, and the scam where they were giving Brett Favre money. And I, I mean, he's, he's going to be convicted, it sounds like. And that's who they reelected over, over the anti-choice Democrat. And maybe my thought is, if it had been a real Democrat, he probably would have won. Yeah, I mean, like in West Virginia, let's run somebody on a strong choice platform. Yes. Right. Give let's run choice. somebody on a choice and, um, and Medicaid platform. Yes. Because that, that is... Let's run on a true democratic platform. Let's run on reinstituting the child supports that Manchin got rid of. That's right. You're not going to win. You're not going to beat justice. Certainly not not by being Republican light. Give them something um, to actually come out and vote for. And and I think that um, there were I mean, and then there were some other really important victories as well. So the anti-trans stuff is a loser. Yep. Was a loser for Glenn Youngkin. Yep. That Virginia, you know, uh, Democrats won both houses in Virginia. Yep. Um, but banning. also down, down panel, like there were these right wing fascist sheriffs. Two of them were replaced the moms mm-hmm. for Liberty, virtually all of them, all lost, of them lost. And, and right. And, and, and moms for gun control or whatever it is, they won. So even at the lower level, people are really souring on this fat, this Trumpist fascism. And I think, you know, if that continues to grow, then you're going to see these local victories that turn into larger victories. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just try to drown out the naysayers, the people that are sowing, you know, doubt there, obviously there are things Democrats need to be concerned about, but I think for right now, Um, they're in better shape than the Republicans are going into the election a a year from now. Marcy Wheeler, again, find her at emptywheel.net here on Fridays on the socials um, at Empty Wheel at Blue Sky and at uh, still at Shitter for now (laughs) and wherever. And um, the boot still on your foot? You're still booted? Still on my foot, yep. And and it's going to be a while. 
It's going to be a while. I'm happy I don't live in a place with snow or much snow. (laughs) Gotcha. All right. Well, take care. Thank you as always. Uh, Always great information. And I'll talk to you next week. Uh, Marcy Wheeler, everybody. Whoops. No, that needs to go away. And uh, um, yeah, you know, the show, if you were watching on YouTube, got all screwed up. It was only YouTube. Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, worked and the audio streaming of course worked on progressive voices so um i will post one of the streams that did work uh, where i post the show so you can see the whole thing at nicolesandler.com slash 11-10-23 all right have a great uh weekend everyone and (laughs) i'll see you monday peace out